0: Now that there was a new king, the Northmen prepare for the funeral of their old
1: king. Yeah. Family, crawling things. We will burn him. In one moment, he and all he owns can be in paradise. Sample. These are our gifts to our Lord, Divizia. to support his kingdom in paradise. To take with him. Lo, there do I see my father lo there do I see my mother my sisters and my brothers lo there do I see the line of my people back to the beginning lo they do call to me they bid me take my place among them in the halls of Valhalla where the brave may live forever she will travel with him you will not see this again it is the old way That was an
0: old Norse funeral being translated to Ahmed, played by Antonio Banderas, in 1999's criminally underrated
1: *The Thirteenth Warrior*. This week, we're talking all about Vikings in our review of Robert Eggers' new historical action adventure film *The Northman*.
0: We don't know what we're doing. We're just talking about films, and films are better than people. I'm Sam, and I'm Lawrence. Can you sleep but attempt time make this? The old father rolled the skein of your life a long time ago. Go and hide in a hole if you wish. But you won't live one instant longer. Your fate is fixed. Fear
1: profits man nothing. So this week we watch The Northmen and Sam's going to tell you the plot. Amleth is the heir to the throne of King Orvanil's dominion, however
0: his uncle murders his father takes Amleth's mother as his queen and commands the kingdom. After years in a barbaric Viking horde, Amoth disguises himself as a slave and travels to his uncle's new province in Iceland where he aims to avenge his father and reunite with his mother.
1: Or, as a haiku, avengeful Viking. Sneaks and slashes for honour. Bodies by Odin. Bodies by Odin? Yeah, that's like bodies by Odin because everyone's like... So bloody ripped. It's like bodies by like you know, like like posh LA Gyms, like are always like bodies by whoever. Yeah, I that. just thought it sounded like I a fragrance. Just... You know, like bodies. <laughs> this film does have a smell. Yeah,
0: bodies by a smell Odin. of sweat and mud. So I guess, like,
1: Odin's, like, some sort of designer. Kind of is. That That final bit was just a reference to how masculine everyone is and ripped, in particular, Alexander Skarsgård is. was well, it wasn't what I was focusing on the film. Well, may- you know, maybe a bit. You know, you, sometimes you just come out of the cinema and you just feel like maybe you should renew that gym membership, you know, or something. Like, you come out of it and you kind of want to... Maybe just maybe just see if you could dust off that old six-pack goal and just, you know, push it to the limit. Push your body to the limit. Yeah, I mean, I always think actors who probably
0: do want to get into shape might choose a project, like an action project like this, where it's in the role to have a six-pack. So it's in the sense that you might not like the film, you might not like the director, you might not be getting paid very much, but it forces you to get into shape and therefore, you know, you've an amazing body for about six months.
1: Or or you get the studio to pay for it. Like, get the studio to pay for a couple of, like, high-profile personal trainers and everything, and then bang, you know, you're body ready.
0: Yeah, it works the other way too because if you wanted to put, like, play a really fat person... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> just eat like the worst junk food in, those, in the world those
1: would be the roles i'd pick i think if i was an actor i'd be like oh yeah this you, you need me to you know eat lots of junk food and pasta for this role and really like but yeah all right well my, my, you know i'm I'm loyal to my method i'm loyal to my art if i have to eat you know three tubes of pringles a day and burger king then i'm definitely down yeah is it, if there is anyone out there listening that wants wants to give me a role, something like that, where I have to eat a lot. Then, then please do get in touch with the podcast. I'm I'm more than happy to you know sacrifice my body for 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 a role like that. It's very important to me.
0: Yeah, well, unfortunately, we can't show you Alexander Skarsgård's ads, but um, here he is in a clip of The Northman. <laughs> Father! I will avenge you, father.
1: I will save you, mother. I will kill you,
0: Fiona. I will avenge you, father. I will save you, mother. I will kill
1: you, Fiona. Right. So, uh, the Northman is the latest film from uh, Robert Eggers. 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 Who we'll be referring to as Eggers, Eggers throughout yeah, the podcast.
0: Quite a very satisfying
1: surname to say. Very satisfying surname to say, and he is the director of The Witch and The Lighthouse, which are kind of two quite atmospheric, like horror slash thrillers, which are very, very stylised and very memorable, yeah, very distinctive. Yeah, very distinctive. So he's become
0: a very celebrated independent director, um, working under A24, which of course one of the um, most famous distributors. And uh, production companies of um, of that independent world. So, so yeah, it, I'd say this film was quite highly anticipated.
1: It was. Uh, how did it measure up for you? I thought a
0: lot of it was quite rubbish,
1: actually. <laughs> Maybe
0: that's a bit extreme. Uh, I don't think I'd say this was a bad film, but I well, was... even
1: of all those six packs and everything,
0: yeah. Uh, no, nah, I mean I was just pretty underwhelmed. Um, it was incredibly violent. I don't think I was ever bored throughout the film, but yeah, there was something. ...that um, failed to engage me, really. I mm. I mean, I'm not quite, quite sure what it was. I did find the whole revenge plot pretty dull, pretty boring. But okay. this isn't a revenge thriller. I'd say this is more of like a historical thriller. No, historical thriller is like the wrong way to look at it. But it's a like an historical action adventure. Yeah. Um, maybe I'm trying to find... I'm
1: finding it difficult to come
0: up with the right genre for it.
1: Well, actually, I'd describe it as like a, a legend... I mean, I think this is a Norse legend in the in the purest sense, and I think that's that's really great about it to see that kind of mythology brought to life. I don't want to keep talking about their their, their bodies, but this is just going to go into it. So you have these kind of hulking noble barbarians, you know, a sense of honour. Uh, and a spirituality linked with fate and justice and honourable battlefield deaths, and they're engaging in in brutal, poetic machinations and combat in the bleak Scandinavian wilderness. I mean, this is the ultimate Norse legend in in a lot of great ways. And And Eggers is a great director, to bring that to the screen. And I don't think I was disappointed by the film... I wouldn't describe it as rubbish in any terms, but I did find it quite unsatisfying in a lot of ways, and I guess we're kind of going to get into that, right? I mean, I think the film starts quite intensely, mm. uh, which I think is
0: the idea, because it does, and I guess it sets the tone straight away, but by intensely, I guess it means you've got these actors doing these quite risible Scandinavian accents, and obviously with Alexander Skarsgård, it doesn't become too risible, because that is his accent. Yeah, but I think everyone else is kind of Anglo-American, and them doing this slightly strange English with a Scandinavian accent doesn't quite work for me. Mm. So that probably got in the way a little bit. Obviously not um, a huge catalyst for for making this film not particularly good. But I just found the idea... There's also quite a strange um, Nordic ceremony that goes on, which again takes you out of the film straight away. But I guess he's trying to like make it as authentic as possible. Again, you've talked about this idea of a Norse legend, and by having this kind of very trippy, hallucinogenic ceremony is probably a part of that, um, because, you know, they were fixated with gods and and mythology, as, as, as you were mentioning. But yeah, I, I never quite got over that slightly ludicrous start, um, and as the film gets increasingly more violent, I kind of just, you know, zoned out a little bit, and yeah, perhaps wasn't as with the film or completely focused as I should have been.
1: I think that's interesting Uh, that's not really what put me off about the film I I just think that there just isn't much depth to it which isn't necessarily a problem because I think the film's really successful in what it's trying to do like I say it's this legend it's this it's this kind of Norse legend brought to life which means that there's all these all the things that I've described but it just doesn't ever really want to say anything about the period or challenge the way that they tell the stories or, or, or anything that you see. And, and, I mean, that makes it more authentic, right? But Because there, no, there are no heroes or
0: villains, are there? No, they? there aren't. It's, it's quite uh, sociological in a way, and that these are characters in this world that's completely immoral, completely sexist and violent, yeah. and essentially it's survival of the fittest. I guess one of the more interesting ideas it explores is this idea of a slave. Because right. actually, we see our, Amleth's dad, or he's taken slaves. He comes back and has conquered another kingdom, has, t- has taken their slaves, or mm. made the people these slaves. You see that right at the right beginning, at the beginning yeah. which
1: is re- which is an interesting choice.
0: And then, obviously, as the film goes on, the idea of being a free person and being a slave is—it's it, sort of one day you're free, and it, it kind of flips so quickly. Yeah. I think that's quite interesting. That in this world, without any real peace or or freedom, it's all just kind of hierarchical. That any sort of you know, average person could suddenly slip into that, um, that imprisonment.
1: Yeah, Th- that is interesting, and, and what people are kind of slaves to, or, you know, because in some ways, Amleth is kind of a slave to this path of vengeance that he's on, and, and and everything else, but, you know, the problem is, is that there are these interesting elements, and like, and if you want to talk about the morality and stuff, there is all this, like, brutality uh, in it, you know, you're going to see not just slavery, but also, like, robbery and, and murder and burglary, but also a lot of sexual violence as well. I mean, it's it's framed as cruel, always framed as cruel, but part of the world that they're in. They're, they're writing a kind of legend with some historical basis but Eggers just seems more interested in writing a legend you know within that world but not exploring much further than that I mean ultimately it is a story about revenge and they they, they started with this voiceover that makes it feel like somebody telling a story at a fire and then by the end that that myth that legend is completed and I, I don't think despite all the things that these characters do and even though they do characterize all these different people as, as good and bad and and there are no heroes and villains. By the end, you've got the sense of a great Viking hero and a great Viking tale. So, I mean, I don't really know what what you pull out of that. You know, I, I think that the endings of, like, The Witch and The Lighthouse make you feel that there was a twisted nature to, to the world that those characters were in. And there was something being uh, explored, something being subverted, something being turned kind of inside out, and there was something interesting about that. But I don't get that in the Northman. I cannot escape my fate.
0: I guess what we see in the Northman is that, yeah, it's a historical drama, but it has lots of sort of magical uh, segments in it. Yeah, it So does. you kind of have this, you have this ceremony, and that ceremony involves this, kind of this image of a tree of life with dead bodies and skeletons. It's during that ceremony where you kind of got Willem Dafoe as this he-witch... Mm. And he's kind of initiating uh, the young Amleth um, and making him kind of being able to step into his father's shoes. And I kind of, there there is that bit where it's, Amleth has this out-of-body experience and then he goes into this tree of life. And what else was in that? Can you remember? Because it it was was very distinctive imagery.
1: Yeah, I think it was also kind of surrounded by this space and the kind of cosmic stuff. I think that tree is meant to be Idrisil, which is like the Norse tree of life okay, is at the yeah. centre of the universe and various people are entwined in it literally in its branches and are linked yeah. to it via their, their intestines and their innards and stuff and you can also kind of see their family tree yeah. through Idrisil as well that's kind of what else is in that sequence because it's well. interesting because it, as I said it is a bit ludicrous but mm. it is
0: very very distinctive and then later on in sort of Amleth's journey he sees a Valkyrie Ascending to Valhalla, which yeah, is kind of cool. like beautiful and striking, anyway, And those are the bits that I enjoyed the most, really. Mm. Once I got past that slightly ludicrous ceremony, and we got to those other kind of uh, dreamy and sort of spiritual moments, so I was kind of... Well, actually, this is I'm enjoying this a lot more than the ultra violence.
1: No, I I agree. No, I I enjoyed those bits more as well because I think I think the action was uh, okay. I just wasn't like that blown away by it. But I mean it is always it it might not always be exciting, but it does always like feel really epic and the the settings and the contexts feel really grand and operatic. And, that, and that's cool, but yeah, I agree. I like trippy stuff anyway. So like that that stuff was cool. I mean the bit that I liked, I mean I I think there was um you know this ties in with the supernatural stuff. Like there's this sequence where Uh, Amleth goes on a quest for a legendary sword and comes into contact with something that's supernatural but then at the end of the sequence it kind of goes back and shows a different shorter version of events without the supernatural element and it's almost like kind of saying like this is one way that this legend will be told it's not necessarily saying that the supernatural stuff doesn't happen in the film but there's lots of supernatural mythical stuff in it and it's just sort of leaving it ambiguous like is this stuff kind of happening or is there something else going on or is this just the way that someone is choosing to tell the story at one particular fireside on one particular night and
0: yeah I, I can imagine that actually but this is a story
1: told over generations and generations yeah. of and that's what they want to do and that's and I think they're successful in that so I, I do feel kind of a bit guilty criticizing Northman because, like, I, th- I think it's good at what it does. I, I think the cast is really great. Like, Skarsgård is brilliant. Like, he's such a physical, brooding, powerful screen presence. But he does—he's he's a great actor. Like, he. he I, can- but yeah, I mean that's the thing you—you talked about his look. Talk mm. about his look. Well, what he is the most—he he is the most beautiful man on the planet. So I will—I will—I will talk about his look. Thank you very much.
0: Stop talking about the ass I'm sorry.
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but no, he can—he is a good actor. I think he can show vulnerability and a kind of subtlety. So he's really good as this epic hero. Uh, and I think Anya Taylor Joy, who's in it, is also has a lot of those strengths as well. I think mm. they're a really good match, and they're both quite otherworldly. Uh, which which fits? Um, Nicole Kidman is just brilliant. She's basically. I don't think. She, I don't think she's
0: brilliant. I've done, I really don't think this is the best role. Again, maybe it's the accent well, for me well, just slightly getting in the way. There is a pivotal this? scene involving her, which would be include a plot spoiler. That's one of the more, more surprising elements of the film. It is because it's so crucial. Crucial. I guess it does sort of work when that's where she's probably at her best. But I think through most of the film, I just found her a little bit dull and forgettable
1: maybe i mean i she probably has done better work but i guess i just admire her because she's for about 20 years she's been like picking interesting directors and interesting projects still doing some like fluff but i think she's one of the first people i really noticed who was using a hollywood power to go and work with directors like eggers and and i think she kind of gave a lot of people like a a shot i think she's always looked for interesting projects and i i kind of admire that about her um also i did want to marry her when i was six because she was in batman forever so maybe i'm in love with most of the cast of the film so maybe I'm not. So bestie. you wanted
0: to marry Nick Holkin when you were six, and now you're 33. You want to marry
1: Alexander Skarsgard. Skarsgård? I, absolutely. That's it. Right. Exactly. Um, the- <laughs> so that's progression for you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I think there are those twists in the in in the film, and you know, I think you could make the argument that that's where the kind of depth is, and I, I think that a lot of these myths and legends have those kind of twists and turns, and like betrayals and allegiances and they change all the time due to love or ambi- an ambition and, and whatever. I don't think it's taking itself out of the mold of the legend to do that. But I mean I, I think my, my my problem with it is that uh, again like it even though there is a moral ambiguity and a brutality to what a lot of these characters do, it's never really punished or properly explored you you just finished the story but that's story. The, world. But that is but, the world but that's the, the world, world. and can't... that's fine like i say there is nothing i don't think there's anything wrong with that even a lot of the stuff we describe is completely immoral we, we, you know i'm more than game for like a historical action film i mean in fact more than game i loved norse legends as as a kid so i mean seeing something like this was really cool but it's just i just don't think that it's not really distinctive enough to make a big splash and and i really felt like eggers could dig a bit deeper if he wanted to. And it's a it's a shame that he didn't. He is, though, a director that likes to leave lots of pieces around and then lets you try and work out what they mean. He never wants to leave a kind of an absolute message in whatever is in his films. So... They may- all feel like one
0: big illusion, don't they? I mean, okay, so yeah. I I haven't seen The Witch. I have seen The Lighthouse. And that just feels like a bit of an illusion. Yeah. You're not quite sure what happened, what the character's actually seeing. And that's the same with, with The North Man. So... Sometimes when directors do that and they make it too subjective, their films, it becomes frustrating. Mm. But I don't think I ever found uh, The Northman frustrating. I just found it a bit silly in parts, really, and I could never quite take it seriously. But there are moments that do stand out for me. Yeah. Um, and I think that is important. I, I do think he's got, you'd say he was like an auteur, someone with a distinct style and a distinct look. And, and yeah, and his, his use of the same actors as well. Um, I kind of find that quite fascinating, the fact that he wants to use the same people in his films and make them all... Not They're obviously all not in, set in the same world, but there, no. is,
1: there is a relativity to them. There is. I think there is. And I think that he plays with different things, like nature and everything. And actually, those are also some of the best things in this film. I think is that, like, he... When he's kind of becoming what they call like a berserker or a bear sark, I think in, in Norse mythology, which is where you would sort of try and become like an animal to become like a better warrior. Like that's that stuff is really cool. And his link with nature that that he kind of has is like more interesting. Uh, stuff so like yeah he's got recurring motifs that he uses which is which is cool i think it's a solid watch i think if you love history uh you love these legends then this is great for you i think it'll it also i think cross a lot of lines like i think anyone could watch this and have a good time even even if it is like more brutal than 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 some things, I actually think that because the, it moves at a at a fast pace and has these kind of like familiar kind of Viking elements, I, uh, and the, the fact that it feels like a complete legend, I think a lot of people could watch this, and actually some people probably will see something in this that they haven't actually seen before. So I, I I mean I think there's a lot to like about The Northmen. But it, I just wanted more depth. And I just don't think it really... I think it only really scratches the surface of of what it could have done. But, I mean, it was successful in what it was trying to do, right? So, I mean, I, I can't criticise it too much. I just maybe just left a bit not not quite disappointed, but just a bit unsatisfied.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's a film from a, from a visionary director. Obviously, visionary meaning someone that is able to like have this kind of broad canvas on screen and create these really iconic cinematic moments. But ultimately, for, for me, it just felt a little bit light in terms of story and plot. And, and as I said at the beginning, uh, I do find that element of of revenge just kind of like a little bit dull and boring. And I've seen it done in so many different films and okay. so many different genres that it didn't particularly grip me. Um, but yeah, I, I think some of the more transcendental moments uh, is what I'm going to take away. Mm. And I do think other directors wouldn't have the bravery or have the flair to pull off something like that. So I think Eggers has done really, really well there. And yeah, it is like very pugilistic. And, well, pugilistic just means violence. But I'm trying to make myself more clever. But yeah, it is just. <laughs> and I think that's what considering like Vikings. You know, I, I, there's there's more and more content about Vikings. And actually, I think if you like the yeah the ultra violence in those shows or those films, then you can watch the Northman and be impressed by that. If if that's your thing, really, yeah. So yeah, but it's it's a a film with no morals, and that's kind of what makes it fascinating in itself. But yeah, I I, I shouldn't have called it rubbish in parts. I'm sorry, Eggers, what fool <laughs> I was twenty minutes ago. It's not rubbish, but um, I felt it was a bit of a letdown, and it didn't really grip me in the same way I don't think I'm going to remember it or I've got no appetite to re-watch it I'll take certain moments I'll take certain scenes but I definitely wasn't as impressed with the cast as you um, I don't think anybody like de- delivered a particularly good performance but again it's more of a stylistic film it's not really a film for me that goes into any, any depth at all so yeah some really nice imagery in there but ultimately yeah just wasn't, wasn't that impressed at all a few axes short of a
1: raiding party you could say
0: yeah I mean, raiding party. You made Vikings sound a little bit like nicer than they actually are. There. <laughs> That's true. They're a bit. They're a bit more than a raiding party. <laughs> I will save you, mother. I will save you, mother. I will kill you, Fjölnir. If you like the Northmen the gladiator from 2001 so russell crowe is general maximus decimus meridius commander of the armies of the north father to a murdered son husband to a murdered wife and he will have vengeance in this life or the next or well you know that's an abbreviated quote but not not the full thing but you know <laughs> we that, don't have time for that that's <laughs> the story that's i'm sure you're all aware of it
1: saw a slave become
0: more powerful than the Emperor of Rome. What we do in life echoes in eternity. There are a lot of similarities in plot. Like Maximus, Amleth's closest loved ones are taken from him, and like Amleth, Maximus reinvents himself as a slave to try and get to Commodus, played by Whacking Phoenix, the new kind of Roman leader who um, who killed his wife and, and crucified his son. Um, and so, yeah, like the Northmen, Gladiator's story is interrupted with violence and gore, whether in, in war or in gladiatorial combat. So, yeah, you get your big, huge action scenes full of, you know, stomachs falling out and people getting their heads chopped off so you, you know that's likely as well there, there's a macho sheen to both films with maximus and amleth both alpha males and brutal soldiers in their own right i guess you could argue both of violence forced upon them and they sort of use that as a tool to enact revenge on their bitter enemies the afterlife features prominently in both so you've mm-hmm. got amleth dreams of valhalla while Maximus has visions of his murdered wife and son in an Elysian field. Oh, actually, his um his wife is played by uh, Gianni Fascio, who's Ridley Scott's
1: uh, wife as well. Oh,
0: right. Yeah, which just made me think of Ridley Scott as Maximus.
1: <laughs> Can you imagine that? I'd love to see that. He'd be even more grumpy. Yeah, grumpiest man on the planet. He is. Uh, I've some...
0: never seen him really talk about his films as any sort of joy or exuberance. He's pretty blunt in interviews. Mm,
1: There's some amazing YouTube compilations out there. There, There's one where where he's supposed to talk about G.I. Jane, but just talks about the cigars he loves to smoke on the set with G.I. Jane, and how he shared one with Demi Moore, and it's just very weird. Very, very weird, grumpy old man. Yeah, but...
0: um. Oh, he would have been a great gladiator. He anyway, anyway, uh, we digress. Um, yeah, but I really like those scenes of Gladiator. The, the ethereal music by by Hans Zimmer, mm, and there's a sort of a dream-like color and tone of the frame. Um, it and it transport you to this kind of idea of heaven and it is juxtaposed well with the violence and gore of combat which i think actually also in the northman is done really well you kind of have these scenes especially towards the end of gladiator where it's him kind of going into this this other world mm-hmm. that's kind of you know that's a really nice way to kind of splice up the film so yeah i a really really good part it might be a bit simplistic but both are historical revenge pieces uh, drenched in blood and guts with a distinct artistic vision um both directors portray these worlds as sort of immoral ruthless hierarchical but, um, yeah, Vengeance is definitely one of the central themes. So, yeah, if you, if you like the Northman, then uh, I think Gladiator could be a winner for you as well.
1: I mean, it's great. I mean, I, th- I think I've seen Gladiator put on some of the, the posters to promote the Northmen. And I, and I think they are really, really similar. I think Gladiator has aged a bit. But I, I know. In what, that, in what sense do you think? This? Well, I, I just think that it just looks a bit more ropey. If, if it looks a bit more choppy, there's like certain like action scenes. Like I remember when he's like fighting the tiger, you can now clearly see <laughs> oh, when right, he's yeah. like when the tiger is just being. Like dangled a bit of meat, and it just told to roll over rather than he actually like stabbing it. And he's like, you, you know, you could, or he, and it's just a, or it's just a shot of Russell Crowe going like, Argh! and stabbing, it. and then a, a, like a tiger rolling over, and st- you know, it's, st- it's stuff like that that kind of takes you out of it. Okay, you starting yeah. to see the strings a little bit, but you know, I, I I think the core of it is still something that's a lot of fun, and it's still much beloved by a lot of people. Yeah, I think the script's really good, actually. Yeah, obviously the what we what I just
0: butchered at the beginning, but um, yeah, you kind of. Got got that that quote and a few more iconic lines really and i, I think maybe that's kind of again is something that's lacking from from the northman a little bit uh you know a good solid script with um some really more sort of more memorable lines or, or pieces of dialogue but yeah i mean I, i'd say gladiator is pretty timeless i know but yeah i, I haven't seen it in a while and um, so maybe yeah maybe it is aging a little bit but yeah i just think it, it flows so well and you know it's got real inspiration from um from the cinema of another period like spartacus or or a Ben Hur, yeah. um, and it works. well. It's, it's a great role for for Russell Crowe when he was of that age and playing those you know those alpha males. So yeah, yeah, um, some really good casting. But obviously you got Whacking Phoenix in there, and and Richard Harris and Ollie Reed doing probably two of their more famous roles before they um, unfortunately died. Yeah, last away. Ollie
1: Reed performance. Yeah, and well, well,
0: yeah, he died Died while filming, didn't he? Yeah, he did, and he is great in it. Yeah, but yeah, and again, this idea of kind of, yeah, like a soldier becoming a slave is... Um, and it's slightly different, obviously, because Amleth, we never really see that transition. No. Like we do with Maximus, he's kind of picked up and, and turned into a warrior. I'd, I mean, I think I'd always watch it. I, I, don't think, I think it's one of those films that never seems to... In my memory, anyway, seems to get old. Yeah, yeah, a really rewarding
1: piece of cinema. So, uh, if you didn't like this, then you should watch Valhalla Rising from 2009. If you're looking for that Viking setting with its grit, its kind of weird, weird with a Y, spirituality and and, uh, brutality, but wanted a bit more to sink your teeth into, then Nicholas Winding Refn, more famous for making Drive, made this in 2009 it's the story of one eye played by mads mickelson who is a slave trotted around the countryside by vikings to engage in brutal gladiatorial fights he escapes and runs into some christian crusaders who enlist him to help with their pilgrimage to the holy land they run into a bit of a detour that leads them to horror and violence he's driven by hate so he survives why oh, never loses he said he was from hell maybe that's where we're going are we going to kill him I'm going to show them a man of God has arrived so Valhalla rising shares a lot of elements with the Northmen so this might seem like an odd choice for if you didn't like it they both have brutal violence and kind of trippy Norse spirituality both have bleak beautiful shots of landscapes and night skies and stuff but what makes Valhalla different is that while the Northmen is a kind of a straight revenge legend this is a film about religion and gods and the death of gods. Uh, One Eye is obviously an allusion to Odin, who's the chief Norse god. And personally, in my reading of it, I actually think he actually is Odin. My reading of it is that Odin is depowered because everyone's gone Christian. So he's been reduced to a mortal, be a very powerful one in one eye uh he runs into these brutal righteous christians determined to force their religion on people with the sword and we see the kind of bleak end that comes from following that arrogant path and it's and that's really the main theme of the film is the legacy of these religions and the brutality of it and whether maybe there's a kind of redemptive path out of these or really just the the kind of eternal nature of some of these kind of spiritualities and, and stuff but also, with lots of gory violence in it, and the vo- the violence is less frequent but more brutal and more effective. I'd say it's a film that takes its time, leaving you kind of hanging on shots of the landscape or cold, haunting montages with this really great, like eerie soundtrack. Quite different to *Gladiators*, but 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 also really good. Um, *Gladiator*. Was... Gla- oh, sorry, <laughs> *Gladiator*. *Gladiators*, not *Gladiator* not <laughs> the nineties <90s> TV <laughs> show. <laughs> with uh, wolf and that yeah. uh yeah no fit no, um, th- yeah the
0: even the theme song yeah feel
1: the power of the gladiator yeah uh so but it really builds up tension and atmosphere um which is which is really good and i, I mean like all Refins, it's a bit of a marmite film you're either going to find it this dark, lyrical masterpiece, or sort of plodding, pretentious wank, but, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm in the former camp, I think it's a really interesting, really inspiring work. I think it's better than The Northmen, but I think they do share a palette. So yeah, the main difference for you is... The main difference for me is that Valhalla Rising isn't just trying to tell a story of revenge or a kind of legend Yeah, Valhalla Rising is about something it's about religion and it's about spirituality the kind of the darkness of those beliefs or really in the kind of the absence of these I mean it is ambiguous never paints the, this picture properly but it is really about Odin kind of having to accept his end you know all the other gods must have died, he's the only one powerful enough to kind of survive, everyone's stopping believing in him, yep. and he's kind of reduced to this slave who just engages in this brutal combat, which he's still really good at, um, and it's just about him kind of slowly becoming more and more detested with the things that he kind of sees around him, and having to maybe try and seek like a kind of higher path, or some mm. kind of redemption, or like a kind of okay, a new, yeah. a new form, and I think that's interesting
0: Yeah, I can picture that. I would just call Valhalla Rising experimental Mm. so that's the thing I imagine that Refn whether when he was writing the script or whether he was filming he had these certain ideas and he was like okay let's just explore that you know I think the thing with the Northman is that the way that it's marketed is exactly the way it is so if you want to go and see like this ultra violent kind of almost action film with these kind of these interesting weird little bits attached to it yeah then that is what you're going to get but without Rising, you might think you're going to get like some sort of you know, Viking film again with those, you know, these scenes on the on the sea or those, you know, these big battles. But it isn't that at all, really. Um, and being, nice. like, and that's why it's so divisive. That is why it's so divisive. It is a divisive film. Some people who probably like, you know, Drive, for example, probably you know, Nick reference by far his most well known film might go back and watch Valhalla Rising, and it's just way too experimental. It's way too out there. With the Northmen, it's kind of these big battles, these these moments of violence and torture and. Some you know, some really, really and blood and guts. And then there are kind of these interesting, sort of more subtler moments. But with Valhalla Rising, it's pretty much all this this experiment, this experimental stuff, and it's all quite dreamlike and and ambiguous and weird. And yeah, it's it's just it's a strange film and you need to have quite a
1: diverse palette for it really you do and, and i mean but there's quite literally blood and guts in in valhalla rising in several quite memorable scenes but I, I i agree and i and actually a lot of the criticisms that i hear about it comes from people who kind of go went in expecting one kind of film and were thoroughly bored or just thought this is just non- nonsense nonsense twaddle it was just twaddle but like i don't think there is i think there's there's I, I i mean i think the violence is all the more effective for the, it being less frequent I think that there are some really interesting ideas and I think that it's shot just as beautifully if not more beautifully than the Northmen though some of those kind of bleak shots of the, of the uh, Scottish landscape and then later on North American landscape as well is like really really cool and really kind of a wonder to behold uh, but I do understand that I'd 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 say maybe for most people just go and watch The Northman, but if you do have the bandwidth for it, Valhalla Rising is really really re- rewarding. It's not the hardest film I've ever had to watch, but I mean, it's I I agree that yeah, some people have described it as Valhalla Sitting uh, rather than Valhalla Rising before. So <laughs> maybe that could be a sequel to it. <laughs> So, yeah, that's 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 the Northman then. I, I mean, I, I didn't watch this and think that I'd fare very well in, like, a Viking world. I don't think I'd be very useful. That's all right. You'd probably die of a disease after, at 10 years old. <laughs> <laughs> probably. If you escaped it's
0: not the worst way to go. Yeah, if you escaped childhood in those times, then that was, that was a bonus. Anything else, you know, if you did become a slave of a mega-maniacal, you know, lord in some offshore kingdom Mm. uh, then yeah it was kind of oh well you know at least I didn't die of that disease
1: yeah I suppose like the dozens of my family members did (laughs) that probably is true yeah I just just feel like quite exhausted with all that I do like the look of some of the psychedelic drugs they were using that those could be quite fun but you know you'd also have to be probably quite rich and powerful to get at them so yeah I'd have to work my way up the chain to do that and for that I'd need the super abs and I just don't really have the patience to get the super abs, so... But maybe I'd just hope for, like, a benevolent lord. Escape disease, benevolent lord, comfortable life as, like, a leather worker or something. And take psychological drugs. Yeah, yeah, now and again. You know, why not? Wow, I think that's... Yeah, that's
0: quite an interesting take on history.
1: Yeah. I still think I'd probably prefer to be in the 21st century. On balance, you know, Netflix and Domino's... Versus wearing a bear suit, um, I'm going to go with the Netflix and the chance
0: and-, and the chance to marry Nicole Kidman
1: and the chance to marry the Nicole Kidman K- <laughs> but- <laughs> a chance nonetheless. The
0: 21st century is definitely better.
1: thank you so much for listening to films are better than people be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on right now so you never miss an episode we're on spotify itunes google podcasts and soundcloud and don't forget to come follow us on twitter at films are better and like us on facebook.com forward slash films are better